Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday afternoon, uh, just afternoon for me, as I am recording with a very special guest, somebody who has been on a wild ride with the Minnesota Timberwolves over the course of these past few years, but especially this year, it is the site manager for Canis Hoopus, our sister site over at SB Nation, Kyle Tyge. Uh Kyle, thank you so much for hopping on with me, man. Really appreciate it. I did get the pronunciation right, correct? That was, you did a really good job. So I'm already a big fan. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Um, we look up to you and everything you guys do over at your site as well. Um, and I know we're going to talk about tomorrow, but um, it's been a really fun year for us. The bar is really low, as I'm sure you know. Um, but we still have a couple more meaningful games coming up. And then, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs for like the second time in 20 years. So, uh, or the postseason, I should say. You're in the playoffs. We're going to be in the postseason. So, well, we'll see. We'll see. There, there are still <laughs> a lot of shenanigans that could play out. I will tell you this Nuggets fans have been, it's been an emotional roller coaster and it's been really. Like we, I think we're spoiled at this point because over the course of these past few years, made the playoffs, made the second round at least every single year, felt really good about it, get, get to build something. But over the course of this season, kind of with the, the push and pull and the, the carrot dangling on the end of the stick of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., maybe coming back, maybe not coming back, we're not really sure. Uh, it's, been, it's been really tough. <laughs> Like just having to watch Jokic kind of struggle through these games on his own at times has been pretty frustrating. But either way, we're not here to lament. We are here to enjoy <laughs> as we get to celebrate both of these teams and, and how they have sort of matched up and, and had very interesting trajectories over the course of the Carl Anthony Towns era, over the course of the Nikola Jokic era. Uh, I think these things mirror each other and are very interesting that they have come back together over the course of this season, as I think Towns has, has had a major breakout, but as as kind of the stability of the T-Wolves organization has really kind of come into focus, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I, I talk about the low bar we have, but I think we're less than 200 days away from when we fired our president, right? Like Gerson Rosas, oh, where it's a, it's a, it was oh a God. Wednesday. Uh, I was flying out. I'm out in Portland, but I was flying back to Minneapolis for media day and Dane Moore texted me. He's like, Gers is out. And I was just like, oh, and I mean, just like the wildest story ever. Right. And then four days later, there's media day. And it's like one of you've been to media days, a, a bunch of them. Like it was just a weird vibe. Right. Like no one wanted to really say anything. There was no usually have fun at those things. Ask fun questions. Do There was no fun at it at all. It was very neutered. Um, and then just to think at that point, you know, our biggest win total was like anywhere from 33 to 35 games. Um, they're already at 43 wins. I mean, it's just been a roller coaster year. But if you would have told me back in September when our president was fired for having an affair with a PR staff um, that, hey, you're going to be in the playoffs, some level of it, I would have thought you were just hammered. So um, it's been a wild year. It's been a roller coaster for us, a different roller coaster for us than it's been for you. Um, but as a closet Nuggets fan who just enjoys watching Jokic play basketball, um, I, I was really excited to talk to you because I just love to see kind of get a vibe for what Nuggets fans are going through. Cause I mean, for us, your problems are like our dreams, right? Like we would love right. to just be yeah. lamenting like, Oh man, we, we blew a lead, but we won the game. Like we usually blow leads and then blow the game. So uh, yeah, it's been an interesting season, but the, these two teams ever since you've talked about it on your pod a thousand times, but ever since that game 82, right? Like we're kind of just bonded 
since what was it 2018 that big game um and you guys didn't make it but then really shifted your franchise and have been stable ever since and we've been up and down and had so many changes but we're trying to be you (laughs) is kind of the thing right we're trying to be that smaller market but build around one or two really good all-around talented people um and stability has been fun it's been nice to not have people being fired every week it's nice to be normal, right? Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that y- you start to gain an appreciation when you look at so like other, other organizations. I think you guys have graduated officially. I think after the Jimmy Butler fiasco, after everything that's gone on and basically like, it's hard to recover from when a player that was a top 10 player that year, I think uh, just, just sort of up and leaves and decides to burn the organization on the way out. I have a lot of sympathy for that because the nuggets were rumored to be in on the Jimmy Butler sweep stakes prior to so this this could have been the nuggets i'm glad that it wasn't i'm glad that they sort of maintained their patience and whatnot but it, it does sort of put into focus how similar these trajectories were at one point how one team went up, one team went down, and how I think we're starting to see more of a a sine curve or a cosine curve, whatever you want to call it, where you're starting to rebound, starting to really get back into the swing of things behind what is just a fantastic superstar in Carl Anthony Towns. I've always really appreciated his game. Every time he plays Jokic and the Nuggets, it is always a battle every single time. And his story is incredible frankly yeah and he's having you know he has been i think this is his eighth year i mean he's had a lot of different people come through the organization um it wasn't really supposed to be that way i mean not to dive too deep but you know when flip saunders brought him in it was going to be flip saunders franchise for a while right um and then he unexpectedly passed um and then just it was constant turmoil constant turnover um and i think for him yes statistically Anyone who listens to this, like, you know, he's having probably the best year ever for him. Um, but he's also just seems happy. And like, I listen to your pod. Like, there are a lot of good podcasts out there that have a lot of statistics. I'm more of the vibes guy. And it's just cool to see him be happy because what he, I mean, I've been running Canis for two years. And in those two years, the amount of times I've had to write an article about someone in Carl's life passing due to COVID or some of the other things that he's had to do in the community in Minneapolis. Um, he just gets to play basketball now. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, and he's doing it at a really high level, right? Like he's not going to be first team all NBA because Jokic should run away with that. But um, he's going to be, I mean, he should be on one of the all NBA teams, which signals that you're like one of the 15 best players in the league. Right. Um, and I think that's huge for him because at media day, the narrative, every person you talk to, whether it was D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Chris, Finn, it was all just a bunch of people who had things to prove and whose stock had kind of, you know, if you were buying NBA player stocks, it was a good time to buy Cronthy Town stock last summer. For um, sure. And it's gone up really, really well, and you're very profitable. So he seems happy. If he gets all NBA, it should lock him in in Minnesota for a while and give us some more of that, that S word that we just love, that we were so not used to, stability. Um, and then you can start to kind of build things out. So it's been really awesome to hear him become more of a leader, become more comfortable in his own skin, because sometimes he loves to – say and do the right thing that he thinks is right might not always be the right thing and that's why we're as a fan base struggling with him taking one three-pointer a game you can't be the best shooting big man of all time self-proclaimed and then not take a bunch of shots from deep um but no it's just he he seems in the best place he's ever been he's only 26 
Um, so the future's still bright, but yeah, he seems like he's having the best year ever statistically off the court on a court and it's been fun to cover. So I'm glad to hear that because is one of the things I was going to ask you is just how gratifying it's been given what he's had to endure. And and I have to imagine that just watching a guy through, go through that turmoil, watching the, the, the best player on the team, somebody who has to carry so much of a burden and had to carry a lot of the emotional burden after when, when Jimmy left and, and how to deal with that, how to navigate all of those scenarios. Uh, I'm not surprised that it took a little bit. It, it would take a little bit for just about anybody, but now that you're back into this place where you have a, a legitimate supporting star in Anthony Edwards, you have a very solid third player, I think, surprisingly, in D'Angelo Russell that has really, I think, taken some people by surprise with where his career was going to go. And, and then you've got this supporting cast around those guys where you've got contributions from a variety of different places that has really, really helped sort of stabilize things. And uh, Chris Finch is a guy that we know very well in Denver, what he was able to do for Nikola Jokic, what he was then able to do for Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins in New Orleans. His trajectory and his career path is very well documented here. I'm very curious to see what you think about Chris Finch and and what his principles have been like, how he has instilled various things in the T-Wolves organization and how that's really affected you. We describe him as a wizard. I mean, that's what we think he is. Like he, uh, again, with all respect to the late, great Flip Saunders, um, Chris Finch is probably already the best coach in franchise history, which again, if you are listening to this from an outsider's perspective, a lot of the things I'm saying are probably right, but also the bar is so low that you could just like do the warm over it. So I think he's the best coach they've ever had, or he's at least top two. Um, And I also still think like, yeah, the Wolves are having a really good season by their standards, right? Not maybe NBA standards, but by their standards, they're 10, 11 games over 500. Um, I still think Chris Finch is cooking with a lot of items that you'd get at the dollar store. Like I don't, He's got a couple really nice pieces to cat Anthony Edwards, you know, D'Lo, but it, we have, I mean, we love Vando. Thank you. It's one of the few. <laughs> we, wins we, we are, we are unhappy about how that <laughs> turned out because we, we really liked Vando too. And just the, the theory of him, it never really manifested because it was too early in his career, yeah, yeah. but seeing him has just been, it's been awesome to watch. He, he's been great. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're still, kind of batting around the idea of like, is he the power forward of the future? I mean, he's on a great deal. He is still, you are, you'd be blown away. You wouldn't, but like Vanderbilt's like 22 or like something like he's still very young. (laughs) I thought he's been in the league for a decade. So, you know, I still not to discredit the talent on the roster, but a lot of us that cover the team on a daily basis, like I still don't think the roster is that good. Um, It's also really young. So when I say, you know, some of these cheaper ingredients that Chris Finch is trying to cook, I mean, I think he's just kind of dragged them to five or six extra wins. And it's been awesome to watch. I mean, with all due respect to Ryan Saunders, who I got to know was a great person. He wasn't ready to coach. Um, I think you and I are great people and I would not, I would coach 10 and 72 record. Like um, just to go from that to what Finch has done. I mean, he just, there's a lot of times, man, we watch these games and at halftime you're on a text or something. You're like, why did, so-and-so coach for this other team, like not make adjustments. Like Finch makes the adjustments. Um, he's, he's just a really smart guy. And you know, the, the thing I hold on to, but I'm an optimist and Ryan, you understand this. Cause again, so many years of 20 and 62 records, but you know, right. this team, 
enters this summer, which will be a huge summer for us, by the way, like our ownership transitions taking place. Our president, Sashin Gupta, is an interim. We don't know what his future will be. Contract extensions. We have a draft pick again. That's fun. Um, but there's only one guy on the roster who's 27 years or older that's signed to a contract, and that's Pat Bev at 33. So we're also still really young. So, I mean, just to give Finch time to kind of mold those players a little more, um, Finch is really this, the straw that stirs the drink, to answer your original question. Um, because I think he brings such, he is, you will get to probably talk to him a little bit tomorrow night uh, at the game. He is like, I can't think of five guys I'd want to have a beer with more. Like he just seems like a really cool dude who loves basketball, understands that the way I re- relate to Carl is not the way I relate to D'Lo. And the way I relate to D'Lo is not how I relate to Jalen Noel or Nas Reed. So I think he just gets it, man. And we haven't had a lot of coaches, Tom Thibodeau, uh, who get it. Um, and get how to manage people and manage the game. So we, Chris Finch is a wizard and we love him. I'm really glad to hear that because he seems like one of those guys that kind of bounced around the league as an assistant for a while, never fully getting his first opportunity. And there were a lot of people that questioned about the, the ults, like the initial hiring and the timing of it and how weird it was. And I think the, the proof is in the pudding there that they made the right decision and that his ability to kind of manifest a lot of this has been uh, underdocumented nationally, I think, uh, just because there's a lot of great candidates for coach of the year this year. I think I wouldn't make a serious argument for Michael Malone, but his ability to help get this roster to where they are is also a really big deal. So there's a lot of guys that I think deserves Chris Finch deserves that for sure. Um, But there are also just these, these players that are making these leaps and part of that, like you said, is, is just due to youth and, and how young the entire roster is, what they've been able to provide together and just kind of taking the next step in their development. His ability to guide that has been big. Uh, let me ask you this. Anthony Edwards, he's, I think, a polarizing player in terms of where, where some people view him versus where other people view him. The last time I saw him in person, he banged 10 threes. Uh, So I I sort of have this ultimately different interpretation of who he is as a player than I think a lot of people do. But what do you what do you think his like, has this been the leap that people have been hoping for? Is this ahead of schedule? Is this behind of schedule? What, What do you think? I don't think it's the leap that we thought it would be, but it's also because offensively, the numbers are, you know, pretty much the same. And for us, there's like this two split of last season. It was kind of when Ryan Saunders was there up until the practically the all-star break. Then when Finch came in, they lost five straight, went to the all-star break. He started cooking up some stuff in the kitchen and then they just kind of went on a roll. Right. And then this season, it's kind of, we've been rolling. That's, that was our bubble, right? Was that was our Phoenix Suns bubble was those last 20 meaningless games last season. Um, But yeah, I mean, the ants numbers this year aren't as high, you know, over in Minneapolis, over in Minnesota, in our little fan base, we kind of do the job Morant comparison. Um, and that's unfair to, to Jaw and Ant and player comparisons can get weird in general. But like when Jaw was a rookie, I think he averaged like 17 points. That second year sophomore leap was only 19 points. And then that third year, which we're in now, is like 27 points a game. MVP, MVP caliber stuff. Um, Ant is kind of on that same thing. And that's the hope for the third year is that he kind of gets another summer. He is banged up. I don't even know how to say the T word, but it's like left patella tendinopathy. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're young, I mean, again, too, Ant can't drink yet. 
like he like legally yeah. i should say um <laughs> and like he just hasn't you know it aau and then to georgia where he didn't make the tournament and that was around covid and then just he hasn't really had he's played a lot of minutes in a short condensed you know we're still in that third condensed covid year right like the nba right. schedule gets more normal now this summer um he just played a lot of minutes and i don't think he he is such a swag guy like he has so much energy you've seen him in all the quotes and stuff but I don't think he knows how to be injured. Um, and he's just doing a lot of mental stuff. So the offensive side of it hasn't been there. He's been missing around the rim a lot, which is wild, right? Because that's where he kind of goes to murder people. Um, but defensively is the thing that's like, that has been a huge leap. I mean, you could argue that he's the best defender on the team. Um, and wow. Vando's awesome. And Patrick Beverly obviously is that dude. And then, you know, my, um, not biological son, but Jade McDaniels is someone who I adore but and just i mean you there's there's clips out there that you can find where ant will just like i want to guard luca and luca cannot get by me there was this kind of viral clip the other day when they were in dallas and luca just couldn't get by him and luca had to take for like a 32 foot step back it was an air ball and because ant can move his feet and he's built well enough to be a, a me like an awesome wing defender so defensively the leap has been there we never thought this would be the case we thought he'd be a scorer um but the shot selection is still a little weird the three point you know, I, I would have loved to have swapped seats with you when you were at that game. That was like one of our favorite games of the year when he hit 10 threes in Denver. Um, apologies. Not mine. Not <laughs> mine. That was, uh, that was, that was insane to watch and really insulting actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, like you don't, I, I hate comparing players to other players, but that's kind of what we do. Right. When we drive around basketball reference to kind of dig into stuff. But yeah, sure. I think the John Morant comparison is fair because they have so much energy about themselves they have so much charisma they were kind of franchise altering picks for their team i know we have carl but ant kind of saved the fan base in a lot of ways because he is just so fun to follow um and the hope would be that he rests up this summer gets away from basketball a little bit um can just ice his legs rap play video games and then that third year is what gives you hope that this isn't just a mirage right because for us it's can we we've done this before we've backed our way into the playoffs and then all hell broke loose. Like, can we build off of what has been a really good season for us? Nuggets fans have always done this with Jamal Murray and his leap wasn't really ever a leap until you saw it manifest in the mm -hmm. bubble. I think mm -hmm. where he went through his first year off the bench. Uh, he went through second year was kind of a, a supporting cast starter third year he started becoming more of a, a lead ball handler kind of lead playmaker next to Jokic uh, and then fourth year it looked like it was a lot of the same stuff but I kept telling a lot of people that there were just some detail things they had to pay attention to that look once once you start running this stuff he's going to be better he's going to look like a star and it, and it turned out that way so I, I will just go ahead and say it doesn't have to be a straightforward, just like, oh yep. yeah, hey, third year explosion. This guy is taking the league by storm. That's obviously way more fun, but we did really enjoy Jamal Murray's time in the bubble, obviously. I think everybody sort of did other than Clippers fans. Um, <laughs> and and there were just a lot of folks that that were then kind of turned into, hey, the, this this Jamal Murray is now a star. And so it, it can it can come in a variety of different ways. And I'm not necessarily sure I would even compare Jamal and Ants right now just because they're so vastly different. Um, but from the perspective of, hey, you've got foundational building blocks for the next several years, hopefully, as long as, hey, Cat gets this all NBA, 
uh, super max extension that he can then sign. You lock him in, you lock in ants. There's a lot of excitement, I think, for T Wolves fans. And like you said, it's it's just so young, man. They're just they just have so much more to grow. And and you know, the Wolves, of course, won the lottery back in 2020, right in the heart of COVID. Um, and I just, you know, of course they won that lottery, right? The lottery that has no March Madness, has like no uh any pre-draft stuff, right? So I mean, there's and Ant still wasn't that- even there. Like, like Ant was not even on a team that was at kind of the the forefront of March Madness stuff. And and that was the I mean, the top three players in that draft was a guy who, like you just said, was not at the forefront of anything. A guy that was playing with a bunch of old YMCA guys down in Australia, and then a guy who just wasn't playing in James Wiseman. So I mean, Ant and Lamella will always be tied to each other. I mean, that's just how this stuff works, right? I mean, all your best players are tied to someone who either went before them or after them, and other fan right. bases go, what if? But uh, for us, I mean, we still believe that we made the right pick. I mean, we still believe that Ant should have gone number one. I think his two-way ability, again, that's been the biggest leap this year, has given us real promise because that's, you know, you either have this absolute unicorn of a player like you do with Jokic, or you win with just having two-way players. And we didn't think Ant would be able to do this defensively, um, and it's been really awesome. And it's just, again, this is Chris Finch's first real year to kind of dig his fingers into him and motivate him. And they have a great relationship. So it does seem like a bright future and sustainable um, now that Ant's around. So I love hearing it. All right. Tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to discuss all of the playoff thoughts, scenarios, things that are going to pop up for the end of this season. But first, Got to do my read, baby. Got to do the DraftKings Sportsbook read. College basketball fans, the Final Four is here, and we are all the way in on the action. Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, Kansas. Got the Blue Bloods that are coming out to play, and any of those teams could take home the victory. And if you think you know who that team is going to be, I invite you to get in on the action because new customers over at DraftKings Sportsbook can bet just $5 on any team, and you get $200 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS where you bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're back. Big Axe and Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'm joined by a very special guest, Kyle Tyge over at Canis Hoopus runs that site extremely well and is continuing to do great things over there. 
All right, Kyle, let's get into the playoff conversation. Just going to pull up these standings here real quick. Oh, yeah, the Nuggets are above the T-Wolves. That's that's really interesting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, so here, basically the Suns and the Grizzlies are locked in at the first and second seeds. Dallas is, is there at 48 and 29. They're at third right now. Golden State is at 48 and 29. They're at fourth. Denver's at fifth, a couple games behind them. Utah is at sixth, although they will be up to fifth if they win tonight. And then Minnesota's at seventh right now at 43 and 34. So you guys have 34 losses, but you have the tiebreaker over the Nuggets, no matter what happens on Friday. But what I will say, and I think everybody in Minnesota will also agree with this, is that if you guys lose that game, then it's probably a wrap for the play-in, correct? Correct. And not to spoil the fun, but our mentality was if we lost to the Raptors on Wednesday night, which was last night, it was kind of over just because, again, tomorrow, you know, on Friday, if they beat the Nuggets, they're still two games back. Yes, they have the tiebreaker, but it's just it doesn't seem realistic looking at the I mean, there's only five games left, right? Like looking at your schedule that you're going to I know, again, Nuggets fans have had some ups and downs that Indiana game last night seemed like I could just tune it off after the first good, quarter and good Lord, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just don't think we're running out of uh we're running out of kind of landing space here to try to make this work. Um, So that opens up 42 different conversations about some of this stuff. Um, But I just don't, yeah, I just don't think the wolves again, I think I can say that they've had one of the best seasons ever our bars low, but also I just think there might be six teams better than them. So for me, the seven seed, is fine. I know Paul George came back, but again, like this has been my stance all year, the Timberwolves, and you've probably seen some of this have finally, like they've been the punching bag for 20 years in the NBA. This is like something I'm passionate about. So I might rant, um, but like <laughs> we've been the punching bag and rightfully so. Cause if you go to basketball reference and look at our record every year, it's been terrible. Um, and the punching bag is kind of punched back a little bit this year. Um, it's been on some lesser teams, but you know, I think everyone outside of LA really enjoyed us punking the Lakers a couple of weeks ago at home. Right. Oh yeah. It was, it was my favorite non nuggets moment of the season. See, and there we go. So like, you know, Pat Bev has, has changed the culture. He has instilled some confidence in us again, that, you know, we're carrying ourselves like carrying themselves like a, a playoff team. The problem is, is you got to back that up when it kind of matters. And we've kind of slipped a little bit these last couple of games, but if you, the Wolves, if like, again, going back to that Gerson Rosas thing, if you would have told me 192 days ago that the Wolves were going to host two playoff games, right? I mean, because if they're the seven seed, you host the eight seed. And if you lose that, you host nine or 10. Um, that's awesome, right? I mean, if you're, right. if you're the six seed, whoever that may be, you're only guaranteed two home playoff games as well because you could just get swept. So the narrative on our fan base has changed a little bit. I mean, I think people saw some success and now they're like, well, shh you know, we should be the, the fifth seed. We should fight for home court. And it's like, man, have you watched Jokic play? <laughs> like, have you watched some of these other teams? Have you watched what the Mavs have been doing? I mean, they've, their defense, they're kind of like, you know, Boston West a little bit in the Western we, Conference. We have no idea over here why the Mavs are so good. Like they have Luca, and, and we just don't get it, but they figured it out. Whatever it is defensively, they figured it out. But they, yeah, but they suffocate you and it's just wild. So I just think again, and I, I feel so bad saying this, and I've, cause I have some really good friends down in Sacramento, but like for us, man, it's just, it's cool to not be the Kings. Like that's like, that's almost for us worthy of a banner. Like we're not the Kings. Like we're, we're in the playoffs. We're going to have a couple home games. The fan base 
it's cool to be a Timberwolves fan again. You don't have to hide. You don't have to like use a VPN. Like it's cool to <laughs> watch them and buy merch. So we uh, playing game tickets went on sale yesterday, sold out in 10 minutes. Like that's so big. Cool. That's big for us because we are a small market um, and we haven't had a lot to root for. So to, I know that was a rant, but yeah, I mean, we're going to be stuck at seven. Even I think if we beat you, unless, I mean, I don't know how you want to pivot this, unless you want to watch what the jazz are doing. I mean, they could just lose their last five. So that's who we have our sights on now more than the nuggets. Cause I don't think you can make up three games in five. Right. I mean, you don't, you're not worried about us anymore. Yeah, I know we caught you I, for a night, but you're not. worried. I, I also think that, I mean, let me, let me, I think they're going to win on Friday. <laughs> I think that that's going to happen. We can talk about that in the next segment, but I do think that the nuggets, I when when they have to be focused, I think they will be. And then they, they focus for a quarter and whatnot. And so they'll, they'll probably <laughs> at the, oh, I, I, I hate hedging this much because I just don't know, man, this, this, these last few months have been so difficult to, understand what's going on but either like either way the jazz what, what's their schedule looking like because i i was i haven't pulled it up in a little bit here but they're playing the lakers tonight um are there other games on their schedule that they could potentially be dropping so oh wow that's loud um so while we were on break i saw i think it was Woj tweet that ad's trying to come back tonight so that would obviously yeah. be a big help for them but then i think the jazz finish april with at Warriors, host Grizzlies, host Thunder, uh, host Suns, and then at the Blazers. So again, like, I know the Thunder tripped you up once. The Blazers have given us a little trouble. But I also live out in Portland, and, like, I was asked to play for them. Like, the Blazers are just putting out any five people that are in the area. So I just don't – again, it's just a numbers game, right? Like, there's just not much runway left to try to catch these teams. If there was 15 games left, I think maybe you'd be sweating it but I, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Again, three games, even if we have the tiebreaker is a lot because all you have to do, all the jazz have to do is like win two of the five, the wolves would have to win all five. And it's just, it kind of becomes a numbers game where we're not playing well. We don't have a lot of games left. That's kind of a Molotov cocktail for enjoy hosting the Clippers. And it's fair. It's, it's a completely fair place to be. And, and given, given, like you said, where the expectations initially were, this should be fine. This should be great. Like this is you're in a position where, Hey, get to host a couple of playoff games, get to put on for the city a little bit, showcase ant to the rest of the world. And Hey, if you win, then you're still guaranteed at that, at that point to get another couple of home playoff games. And that's just, that's an exciting place to be regardless of who you play. Uh, is there a team up? I, I assume that you would prefer to play the Grizzlies over the suns, which is why, the seven, eight matchup is probably more important to you guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, Memphis will be great because I think that would be, I mean, Memphis would be great for Wolves fans, Grizzlies fans, and 28 other fan bases, because <laughs> that would be the closest thing to a street fight, right? Like the amount of chirping that would be going on between both, oh my God. both teams. And there's also a lot of narratives kind of tied into some of that stuff. Like, I mean, you know, Patrick Beverly was acquired by the Grizzlies this summer and then immediately dumped to the Wolves for Juancho Hernan Gomez and Jarrett Culver. Like that was a pretty good move for us. Um, the Grizzlies worked out well for them, but I mean, Pat Bev would have been a great Grizzly, right? Like grit and grind. That dude would have been oh, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, from a basketball standpoint, the seven, two matchup would be great for us. Um, but I also like that Clippers thing is real, right? Like Paul George came back. 
Um, he looked awesome. I, I can't imagine, and maybe you would agree, like that Kawhi comes back in this short period of time, but the Clippers give the Wolves a lot of fits, how they play and their style and all their wing players. Um, so if the Wolves did fall that 8-1 matchup, um, again, being the optimist that I am, I'm not that concerned about it as long as they were in the playoffs, right? As long as they could say we were one of the eight teams because I think you look last year and not to continuously compare to Jaw or that the Grizzlies team, but you know, the Grizzlies played the Jazz last year and got just pummeled in five games. Right. Um, it wasn't all that close. And then the Jazz moved on and the Grizzlies had to lick their wounds. And then that's how the Grizzlies figured out, like, what do we not do well and what can we improve? And that's how they kind of led to swapping centers, right? Shipping out Valanciunas, bringing in Steven Adams. So I even think if the Wolves played the Suns and it only went four, it went five, it would still be a great litmus test of, like, you're better. You're not the Kings. You're an average team, which is awesome. That's all we want. But here's how far it is to get to the big boys. Um, so I don't think there's any bad matchup, but basketball-wise, the Wolves would match up pretty well with the Grizzlies. I, I look at that matchup for a number of reasons and think, okay, here's a matchup where you have Cat versus Jaron Jackson and and, uh, mm. and Stephen Adams, and I do think that it would be difficult for Steven Adams in that matchup to be on the perimeter. So there would be yep. a lot of, okay, Jaron Jackson is on cat. You've got Steven Adams on Jared Vanderbilt and, and doing their best to kind of cross match a little bit. That's actually something I'm going to talk about for uh, tomorrow's game as well in the third segment. Uh, but it does sort of seem like the wolves, if ant shows up, if Delo shows up, if they, if they're big time players on that big time stage, then that could be a matchup that the Wolves could potentially surprise a lot of people in. And I, I, I say that with as, as much like, not admiration, admiration is the wrong word, but as much like desire for you guys to succeed yeah, and, yeah, and have that yeah. moment. Like I, I, re, I do remember that in 2018-19, Denver was the two seed and they were shocked by the Spurs. Oh, and yeah. that was that was a really, really scary moment for a lot of people. It would have been a really bad upset. Denver ultimately came out with it. But if you guys were to take that to seven, that would be a really big deal. That's a, a really massive deal for a core that can then build upon that success and say, look, we didn't even we didn't even win, but we were still able to really push a very, very good team, the second best team in the NBA record wise. And there's there's just a lot of exciting things that can then ultimately build upon that, I think. Yeah. And we touched on this earlier, but like I said, how Carl Anthony Towns would be like max extension eligible this summer. Um, and the all NBA stuff would line his pockets. Well, um, but D'Angelo Russell is also going to be like extension eligible this summer. Um, Jared Vanderbilt, who again, we love. Um, I don't know if he's the power forward of the, for- of the future. So like just getting a playoff series, not the plan, which is like a one game sample every night but a just at least a four game series where you can like, I mean, I think Chris Finch is like president worthy, but we've never seen him in, in this city have to make like game by game adjustments. So that'd be awesome. I'm super addicted to just watching Chris Finch coach stuff. So I think we just want to make the playoffs against anyone. The Grizzlies will be awesome because at some point in that series, someone's getting like arrested right between Dylan Brooks, Patrick Beverly, um, like someone's there's fights, there's teas, like everything's happening, but it would just be nice to have that game by game adjustment and see like, what do we have that we can parlay into next season in the future? And what do we not have? Is our point guard, the point guard of the future? Like 
Do we need more wings? Do we have enough shooting? Um, so that's why, again, we don't care who we play in the plan. I know that sounds egotistical, but it's not. It's just like we just want to just host them. To If you can't beat the Clippers, man, and then you can't beat the Spurs or the Pelicans, you don't deserve to be in it anyway. And then you got your you got your sample size, and now you got to go make some serious adjustments. So 7-2 would be great. 8-1's fine. If you want to swap the 6 and just give it to us, that'd be cool too. Um, but <laughs> it just we just want to be in the playoffs because we want to learn what you had to learn, as you just said, a couple of years ago. 100%. Uh, let's pivot to the Nuggets here real quickly before we hit another break. Right now, they're in the five seed. They might drop to the six after tonight, but between Dallas, Golden State, Utah, all of these teams, it doesn't look like, like uh, knock, knock on wood here, but it doesn't look like Denver's dropping to the play-in unless something crazy happens. Um, are any of those teams teams that the Nuggets can beat in the first round? Well, listen, I don't know where all your listeners are tuning in from, but I have a personal vendetta against the Warriors just from some of the Wigan stuff. So, um, sure, that, that, that was actually a question I had, but I don't want to just not answer your question. Like, do you think you match up well against the Warriors? I think so. I think okay. it's, it's, a tough, just curious. it's a tough question to ask because there are some things that like it, it's probably going to be one of those series that goes 125 to 120 every single game. Right. And it's going to be a lot of offense. Denver's going to really struggle at times. If the Warriors get hot, then three is worth more than two. The Nuggets are one of the best two point two point teams in the league. But the Warriors have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and yeah. Jordan Poole. And I think that scares the hell out of everybody in Denver. But they don't have anybody to match up with Nikola Jokic as much as they'd like to say that Kevon Looney is going to do it or Draymond Green is going to do it. Draymond is not going to do it. Like that, I, right. I hope that everybody listening to this can clip this when I actually am <laughs> right about it. Uh, because, good gosh, I hope I'm right. Um, but Nikola Jokic is an animal. And I just do not think that he can be contained by any of their bigs. So then that gets me to my second team that you asked, like, I just, from a basketball standpoint, and you, you always, you see the X's nose better than I do and everything. I just, I think a, a Dallas Denver series would be awesome. Right. Like, like, I don't, I don't know. You can tell me like how you would contain Luca, but then vice versa. It's like, what do they have to throw at Jokic? Like that just seems like our best versus your best. Like, like, like really like an ace pitcher versus like this 55 home run, Guy, I mean, just like your best versus my best, and let's duke it out and see how it goes. Do you like that matchup more? It's it's terrifying for that very reason. Like, right, like Nikola Jokic, we we think he's the best player in the NBA. We think that he's proven that and that he has that level that he could get to. Luca also has that level, and yeah. I, I don't yeah. think anybody in Denver is uh, misconstrued about that. That Luca could absolutely win a series. He could go for 40, 10, and ten every single game. And if you do that four out of seven times and the supporting cast comes to play, then look, they could, they could win that series. No doubt. Do I think that Denver could like, I think they have more adjustments for Luca given that they have Aaron Gordon, given that they have a variety of other, I think guards and wings and forwards that can switch on to him at various points and just not get killed. Like I think bones Highland would get killed. I think Monte Morris would get killed. Will Barton probably gets killed, but, is Aaron Gordon getting killed? No. Is Jeff Green getting killed? Probably not. Uh, there are there are some other ways in addition that they can then double and try to 
work their way out to other guys and just force those other guys to win the game. And if they do, then great. If not, then I, I don't know whether Dallas can force the ball out of Jokic's hands the way that Denver could probably do with Luka. Okay, so then I'm just going to put on my Vernon Maxwell hat. You want Utah? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, honestly, like, I, I, I just think that if, if Golden State's healthy, then they're probably in a different tier. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if they're not fully healthy, just like Denver's not been fully healthy for the entire season, um, I think that all of those teams are in the same tier. I think that any of those okay. teams could, could okay. advance. I think that Nuggets fans know that the thing that gives Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets the most problems defensively is a small guard and a rim running above the rim big. Somebody oh, that okay. can, okay. It, it's not even the floor spacing big. And, and I, I like Carl Anthony Towns, fantastic. He's given Jokic different issues in the past and, and like in the presence, let's be honest. Um, but the thing that really stood out of the bubble, the thing that stood out against Utah this year is that Denver, when they have Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and a variety of other pick and roll creators that can get downhill, but also can pull up and go at all three levels. It is difficult for Denver to stay in front of those guys, particularly because they do not have any perimeter defenders. See, and that's again, why you're so much better at this than me. Cause that was a ton of good basketball stuff. I just think of it like vibes in the March Madness tournament. I just think if you pick one of the one of the top eight, right? Let's not talk about the Lakers, but one of the yeah. top eight Western Conference teams, and you rank them by vibes, like the Jazz are so at the bottom of the vibe. They, they are really low. They are on the brink of disaster. Where it's just kind of like, you know, if Denver did play them, and again, standings are going to change every night for the next week and a half, but you just caught them in that first game and you blew them out or something. I just don't know. The Jazz kind of seem like they have a glass jaw at this point, right? Like we kind of, already setting the stage of how that might be blown up this summer because every year there's some team that does that. So that's kind of why I like them for you. But from a basketball standpoint, I get that every team has their own issues, but I just, I think Luca versus Jokic, if we could get six, I mean, God forbid for your own health and sanity and your heart, like I'm sure you'd love that to be done in four, but seven games of Luca and Jokic would be, that'd be a good way to me for me to spend my April. So. Oh, and, and I, I think all Nuggets fans are like, look, if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter aren't healthy, we're just here for the entertainments. We would yeah. love to see those guys win. But to watch Luka and Jokic do battle like that would be very fun. To watch Steph and Jokic do battle like that would be very fun. There's just a lot of different – like we, we don't care for Utah either. We don't, we don't need to see uh, <laughs> that uh, screen assist manifesto that's going to go on over there. Um <laughs> It's it's very unfortunate that that is manifested in the way that it has. But uh, Nuggets fans are, I think, fully understanding of where like of how Jamal Murray and Michael Porter really impact things just based off of what we've seen. And one guy like heavy is the crown. Don't get me wrong. But one guy carrying everything is just it's really hard. So I'm just going to hijack your podcast for like 30 seconds because oh, I've sure. always been curious and I want to talk to like the Denver person. Like, what is your fan base? Like, what's just the mood, right? Cause like you haven't been bad in the past, like we have. So you're not just celebrating being 12 games above 500. Um, you have higher expectations and you have quite possibly, if not the best player in the world, one of the top three um, and probably hopefully that shout out to DraftKings, um, the back-to-back -back <laughs> MVP winner. Cause I got a good ticket on that. So, but you don't have Jamal Murray back and you don't have Michael Porter jr. Back. And I follow you on Twitter. Like 
it doesn't seem like they're coming back, right? I mean, we don't know for sure. Dude, but just- I, honestly, they they were ramping up last game and 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 just like pregame, they were literally going through harder warmups than they've gone through in the past publicly. Uh, and now you're just kind of getting into this whole man. We're leaving the door open. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're leaving the door open in the playoffs. <laughs> because you know, we you made a really good point. We my friends think that all the time. Like, how is the how are the Mavericks as good as they are when you just kind of look at a at a roster? I, I and push back on this if you disagree, but like sometimes I think your average NBA fan would say the same thing about Denver, right? Like, how are oh, yeah. they so good when it's Jokic? I mean, Gordon's really good. Bones is awesome. That kid has so much swag too. But like. <laughs> you're missing some really important people. So like, does, do your fans would Jokic winning back-to-back MVPs and you having a really good first round playoff series, maybe a second, but like, do you feel like you're playing with house money or do fans not like, do they, it doesn't matter that we have these really good excuses in Jamal and MPJ. Like do your fans just like, that doesn't matter. We need to be winning house money. It's, it's, it's not that because I okay, think all Nuggets okay. fans fully appreciate and understand the, the gravity of the situation and how difficult it would be for them to even win a round, let alone two or three or four. Okay. okay. Um, I think Nuggets fans fully have this understanding that if those guys aren't coming back, then things are not going to go the way of a championship. But imagine this, imagine you've been given like, you, you've been given a peek into what heaven looks like or, or like just <laughs> Nirvana or whatever you want to call. And that was the Aaron Gordon trade last year. That was when Aaron Gordon was traded and acquired by the Nuggets. When Michael Porter was healthy, when Jamal Murray was healthy for a brief amount of time, there was a brief segment of time where the Nuggets were the best player or the best team and the most complete yeah. team in yep. basketball. Yep. And it was so fleeting but so potent that it has sustained Nuggets fans for a long time, knowing that, hey, we've got this thing on the back burner. These guys are coming back. But it's been the carrot that's been kind of dangling on the end of the stick for much of this season. Porter started out, we, we thought that Murray would be back at around February or March, and it just hasn't manifested that way. And then Porter goes out, and you start to realize, man, we thought we could win the title last year. We thought we could win the title this year. What's going to happen? Like, like, okay. are we, like, do we do we think that that could ultimately happen next year? Uh, I, I assume that it could happen, but it. I think these chances are so fleeting, no, and that's really smart. the opportunities are so limited that when Jokic is playing at the level that he is right now, Nuggets fans are very frustrated that it isn't being met with the ultimate playoff success, which is what he wants. It's what the team wants. It's what Nuggets fans want. Everybody wants the ultimate showing of success. And the MVPs are a kind of a great kind of, like they're a great other thing mm-hmm. that are awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. I, right. I want Jokic to win for obvious reasons. But the team success is what everybody is really shooting for. That was eloquently put. I put you on the spot and that was really well done. No. And you know, this isn't directly the same because you're talking more about injuries and you seem like you have from one to 15 of a roster of guys who really like each other. Um, But I'll just, as a basketball fan, I'll never forget that one moment when the thunder played the heat in the finals many, many years ago and the heat were about to win it. And you had Durant and Westbrook and Harden all standing on the side with their arms over each other. And I just remember Twitter at the time or whatever being like, 
you know, the young guys are just waiting, right? Like there's, they're, they're the future. They're, they're going to be here many more times going forward. And then that summer they traded Harden. So it, yeah. I'm with you just on the, like the timelines are so weird, right. And in, in the NBA more than really anything um, it's just, you just, you, you never know like when it could just fall out from underneath you. So I, I get that. That was really, I just wanted to peek into your fan base because I'm glad you said what you said. Cause I think you should say it with your chest. Like when you were healthy last year, after that Aaron Gordon trade, you were the class of the NBA. And I don't think anyone thinks that or anyone talks about that because it was short. But when you had that five man starting lineup, it was maybe the, what the best starting lineup maybe you've almost ever had. Like it was crazy. It, it, it was objectively the best starting lineup the Nuggets have ever fielded in their entire franchise okay. history. Okay, sweet. That's yeah, yeah, gone yeah. back 50 years. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're kind of, we're, we're struggling with that, right? Because- yeah. When you get into the nitty gritty of this, it's all well and good to talk about how Monte Morris and Will Barton and Jeff Green are going to fare in in these playoff environments. But the Nuggets didn't like that. That wasn't their ultimate goal. That wasn't their plan. And and the plan has changed and altered so many times over the course of this last calendar year. It's been tough. Murray was injured on April 12th of 2021. It hasn't been a full year yet. Yeah. And we're probably going to see two playoff runs just massively affected by that. And here's the kicker. I think Jokic is going to sign a Supermax. I don't think that there's a lot of question about that. But hypothetically, let's say he just didn't. Let's say he just wanted to go into next year on the expiring contract and see what happened and how Murray comes back, how Porter comes back, what that looks like. That would be devastating. It would be mm-hmm. devastating if the Nuggets lost Jokic after next year. I don't think it's going to happen. Let me reiterate to the entire Nuggets <laughs> fan base that is probably going to clip this clip. Yeah, and please like, come at Ryan, not Ryan, me. I was... Ryan hates everything. But like, <laughs> what if Carl Anthony Towns didn't sign the Supermax? Listen, I'm about to go on vacation. Like, I was only bringing positive vibes. I didn't bring this up. But no, I'm, I'm totally with you. It's the same <laughs> thing. Like, that's why... And again, we don't have four, we'll do a four hour podcast on awards later, but like, that's why this all NBA stuff and the ambiguity, I can't even say right now, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just the, the, the fact that we don't even know how to vote is so crazy because we need Carl to make it because he's going to sign. Like he'll, he'll take that and that'll be a foundational piece for us. Same with you. It's like, I mean, Jokic is clearly going to be all NBA, but like, yeah, man, like what if just two months from now, these these guys just don't sign it. Right. And they want to bet on themselves and have that flexibility to pick where they will want to go. So I don't think from 20,000 feet up that that's going to happen to you. You seem like, again, maybe you're not one of the five best franchises right now because of injuries, but like, yeah, I really, really admire how your front office runs. I mean, we've tried to poach from there many times, how your coaching staff runs. Um, I know the Mike Malone extension was like, had to have been a ho- national holiday celebrated for you for you guys. Cause I think you love so him, funny. Right? It, and I, I don't like, we'll make this the last thing before we talk about the game. Um, but it was just a very polarizing thing. I think like, I, I am happy that Michael Malone was brought back. I think that he's great. I think that what he's had to deal with has been really tough. There are other people that don't necessarily think so. And wow. it's really too bad. Wow. Like, because I, I think objectively he's probably a top 10 coach of the NBA. Oh, and again, that's why I just, I'll, I'll send, I'll email you the rest of my Denver questions, but I just was curious to get a peek inside because again, what we're trying to build in some way, shape or form 
through development. And then, you know, because you've developed your core guys, right? Like you have your core kind of big three in Michael right. Porter Jr. and Jamal and, and Jokic. They've and all been drafted. Of, they've all, yeah. they've all been naturally brought in. Right. And we have that a little less with like Ant and Carl and some of our other, other guys, but um, we're just trying to get to where you're at, but it, you know, that's what I also try to tell people too. You might not be having as much fun this week as maybe I still am, but like, just enjoy the fact that you're not the Kings because it can just, it can just flip so fast, right? Like your doomsday yeah. scenario, which I don't think you even believe in, but it's prudent to bring it up is like, what if the top leaves and then the trickle down is just, you know, it's, we are the Kings again. Like it, it can happen so fast. So enjoy, even if you're stressed about that Indiana Pacers game, this is my little rant to Nuggets fans. Like just enjoy the fact you won it. Enjoy the fact that you keep winning and you, we, the wolves caught you for one night and you guys did your best to not troll us. And then the next day you were right back on top of us and we haven't seen you since. So enjoy being Nug- good. <laughs> let's just, let's just say this nuggets fans have a healthy respect for the T wolves. There, good. there is Sweet. no doubt, no doubt at all that when they came into the building and hit 23 threes, that was a real wake up call, a, a really massive wake up call for the entire nuggets fan base that look this thing, if you don't take it seriously, could be really bad. So let's take a break. When we come back, we will get into that matchup. Uh, I've, I've taken you way too long. We're, we're, we're going to get into it. We, we will be uh, right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you could, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. I always love reading the reviews, even the negative ones. And, and fortunately, I don't have too many of those, but uh, the negative reviews, they help build the character of the podcast, I would say. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for, for joining me. I'm joined by Kyle Taggy over at Canis Hoopus to help break down Nuggets T Wolves. And this is kind of the ultimate premise of this podcast was, hey, we've got, there's a, there's a pretty big game that's coming up for a lot of reasons on Friday. And we're recording this middle of the day on Thursday. So if there's any uh, news that breaks between now and, and Friday, then I'm sorry I didn't cover it. Uh, but right now, we're in a situation where the Nuggets, fifth seed, T-Wolves, seventh seed. There's a little bit of separation going on between those two teams in the standings. This could ultimately be the final kicker if the Nuggets were able to win it. If not, then it becomes a little bit more questionable and the Nuggets still have to really, like, I think one of the things for Nuggets fans and for the Nuggets organization is that if they take care of business on this game and if they, if they manage to pull out this win, then they could relax. They could, take, they could let their hair down a little bit. If you don't win it, then things get a lot more interesting. Yeah, and I would just say, I know we've, kind of flirted with this tomorrow or Friday's game a bunch of different times, but the beauty of it for Nuggets fans, uh, and I might shock you a little bit here with my prediction, but the beauty of it for Nuggets fans is you still get to play the Lakers twice. So no matter what <laughs> happens tomorrow night or Friday night, um, you still get to play the Lakers twice. And that I'll just say it. I hope people clip this. Like that is one of the most abysmal basketball teams I've ever watched um, coming from my vibes rankings. Uh, I think at three games behind, I know we have the tiebreaker. Um, I just think it's like a 0% chance they catch it because the Wolves would have to go essentially 5-0 and 
and you would have to go, you know, two and three, like it's pretty simple stuff. Um, I just don't think you're going to do that. So that's why I don't think Friday's game has as much juice as maybe it would have last week. But for us, we keep getting shellacked by good teams. Um, the Celtics. Hey, you, you and us both, brother, like that, <laughs> that keeps like all of these teams, the Celtics, the Suns, the Raptors, like all of them rolled into Denver and just kicked Denver's ass. So I get it. Fully get it. So, so I think because at somewhere in the lock or in the Nuggets locker room, there's a, there's a standings poster, right? And it says that they're three games up. I just don't think the Nuggets are going and you push back, but I don't think the Nuggets are going to be as concerned about Friday's game as the Wolves because the Wolves have gone into Toronto and Boston now and just gotten punched in the teeth and provided no resistance. So to me, we keep talking about how all these games are playoff games for us, pseudo playoff games. The Wolves have had a propensity this season to like get punched by Orlando and then like blow everyone's socks off the next night and go win in Miami. So I think the Wolves just need the Nuggets game, not because they're going to get out of the seven seed or catch Denver. I just think they need to get their swagger back a little bit and beating a team who, right or wrong, like is probably like there is a rivalry between us. Maybe Denver doesn't see it as much as we do from the bottom, but I think we look at that team like Carl Jokic, you know, the different connections there. Um, the Wolves want to win that game. And I think my prediction would be that the Wolves would win it. Not because I'm a homer, because I usually am on the other side of that, but I just think the Wolves need Friday's game more just for their own sanity than Denver does. Because I don't think Denver's worried about the Wolves catching them. There, there's a lot to it with who is the more desperate team, which team is going right. to yeah. try the hardest, which right. team is going to be the most precise. And the Nuggets haven't exactly instilled a lot of confidence in, in how precise they have been over the course of these past few weeks. And, and they've had one guy who's, who's been able to carry them through a lot of those struggles. Like last night, Jokic goes for 37, 13, and nine on 15 of 19 from the field. And what I will say is that Goga Batazzi might be the worst interior defender I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> um, so there, there's a lot to like, look, they played a bad team. As, as long as you get the ball to him, you're probably going to do just fine. But the T-Wolves are not that. The T-Wolves, one, have Carl Anthony Towns, who has taken a lot of strides defensively and has moved in the right direction on that front. But two, they also have these other long wings, these athletic forwards that are very capable of disrupting, are very capable of making life hell for Denver's entire starting unit and their bench unit. So I think everybody has a fully healthy respect for Towns, for Vanderbilt, for McDaniels, for Anthony Edwards, especially like what he's been able to do against Denver has been pretty painful to watch at times. Uh, I want to talk about the three previous matchups here really quick. Game one, Michael Porter Jr. played. I think we can throw out the results of that one and, and yeah. like how it really impacts this game. Game two, Anthony Edwards had 10 threes. The T-Wolves hit 23 out of 47 <laughs> on Denver's home court. And, and these weren't like open looks. These were no. contested shots. And they were just every single time going in, there were backbreakers. And it was, it was incredible to watch, honestly. Game three, Denver's bench got decimated. Denver didn't have DeMarcus Cousins in that game. And I, I honestly think that that was a really big deal because the difference between an actual center versus a not actual center in Denver's lineups has been just 
it's been really difficult to watch for a number of games. So I honestly think that we can throw all three of those games out for a variety of different reasons. This is going to be a different matchup entirely. Yeah. And I, again, I just go back. You said it really well. I wish I would have stolen that. Like, I just think the wolves need it more than Denver. Like I think Denver could wake up Saturday, have lost by one or 20 and your fans will be upset because you lost, but like, I still, it's like, okay, well, whatever. Like, we're still going to finish in probably one of the top five seeds. Like we'll be fine. Like let's clean some things up over this next week. We're not in the plan. We get a couple extra days off. Whereas I think if the wolves go into Denver and get trounced again, like I got to shout out Dane Moore on this, but he had a tweet yesterday. It was like Malik Beasley has missed three games this season. And the wolves lost those three games by 31, 22 and 23. If they they go in tomorrow and Malik Beasley and Jaden McDaniels by all accounts are not going to be available on Friday. Um, and they get pounced by 20 again. I mean, even the swaggiest of underdog teams, like we've been like, that's a pretty big blow to just go to three road games this week and just get clobbered. So that's why I think you're right. You, all those different results from the past. I mean, that's why I don't even worry about the Clippers stuff from like January when we played them. Like, yeah, the Clippers kicked our ass, but I just think that Clippers team is running out of juice, even though they are getting Paul George back. Um, I don't know if tomorrow's result will mean that much. But for us, it's going to mean a lot if we could win it because we are, you don't want to be playing your worst basketball come April, right? You don't, you want to be trying to hit your strides. And that's what Dallas is doing. Um, the Suns, who are a juggernaut, but I just think the Wolves, <laughs> the Suns, need... the Suns have a, a, an ultimate stride that just, it, it never has stopped. It is no, just a continuous stride. It's it, crazy. <laughs> it's just 3D chess versus all of us playing checkers. My so God. I just, again, I just, I'm not trying to overshadow it or really even like, hey, flex. Like, I just, I don't, I, I'm, I imagine the Nuggets will be favored. Again, shout out to DraftKings. Um, I just think the Wolves need to stop the bleeding a little bit because. After this, it's like Houston, San Antonio, Washington, and like the Bulls. And that's like the last game of the season. And God forbid, we don't, who knows who'll be playing in all those games. Um, so if the Wolves, this is like their last opportunity to kind of beat a good team. I mean, I know the Spurs are in the plan and stuff, and the Bulls are obviously good too, but you don't know who's going to be available. So like if the Wolves can't get one more good win against a really good team and the front runner for MVP, it's going to leave a lot of doubt in our minds come playing time. So I think we need it more than you need need it. That's my thing. It's it's funny that you say that because I was just kind of ranting on this last night when Denver once again blew a lead to the Indiana Pacers. Was that the last time the Nuggets have had a really good win, kind of a complete win, was their shellacking of the Milwaukee Bucks literally the game before the Minnesota Timberwolves and Denver played. Yeah, like Denver was that. going into a they had a five game winning streak going into that T Wolves game, got absolutely trounced. It was it was kind of like the the coming down moment after what was a really big high. But Denver beat Milwaukee by like 30, 35 or something like that. And like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, they all played. Like it, yeah, it was right. they they didn't have Brooke at that time. And and obviously Brooke Lopez would have had some sort of effect on Jokic, I think. But like Denver. That was that was their last complete win. And there have been other moments where look, they they beat the Sixers. They beat gosh, who else have they beat? I don't even know. But like it's just there haven't been a lot of good wins. And so we we see this on our side as an opportunity to prove it, as an yeah. opportunity to say, yeah, hey, that's fair. That's fair. Jokic is we we want to see him make an MVP statement in this game. That would be a really big thing for 
kind of the national audience where, okay, you've got a good team. You've got a good matchup. Like these two guys are going to be on the all NBA for the center ballot. Let's see what happens. And if Jokic has a big game and the Nuggets take a victory and ultimately kind of like an unofficially clinch a playoff spot, then it, I think it says a lot about Jokic's MVP case in that regard too. And not to like, sorry to the people who have to sell tickets to games, but like not to water down what's going to take place next week. But I mean, looking at the Nuggets schedule again, you have two against the Lakers, one against the Spurs and one against the Grizzlies. And who knows in that Grizzlies game, if anyone's even going to board the plane, right? Cause they're, I, I certainly hope not. That would be great. <laughs> so, so again, though, like I know the standings are very in flux and you could move a whole different ways, but like, yeah, I think that would be my selling point as a marketer is like, Wolves Nuggets could be the last real good game for both those teams until their postseason. Like it could be the last time to like, I mean, I think the Wolves are good and clearly the Nuggets are good. It's like, this could be the last good basketball game that has somewhat importance until we get to the postseason. So yeah, each team needs it. I mean, you made a good case for that as well. I just think that one team could leave Denver on Friday or Friday night and be more happy with the loss than another. Um, but you make a good case. Touche. Let's talk about the logistics of the game. I think that if I were the Nuggets, I would experiment with putting Jokic on Vando and and at least kind of start going down that route, at least at the outset, and have Jeff Green on Carl Anthony Towns. Is that going to go well for Denver? Maybe, maybe not. But I do think that one of the things that Denver gets into with that is they can save Jokic from getting into foul trouble. They can right. save him from being in that situation where he draws a couple of early fouls against a very aggressive Carl Anthony Towns who tries to get to the basket, or he like has an up fake and Jokic, given that he is the best shooting big man or second best shooting big man of all time, depending on who you ask, um, is like if if he if he draws two fouls on Jokic, I think the Nuggets are are cooked. And that's that's just kind of how it is in, in a first quarter. And that's that's kind of insane to think about. But uh, and it's how, how do you... for, inversely for the Wolves, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Carl's like, going to probably guard Jokic because Vando. I mean, I'm sure Jokic has meals bigger than Vando. Like you got to throw <laughs> towns on Jokic. And if Carl fall gets two fouls early, which he loves to do, um, it'll probably be accompanied by a technical. And then it's just like we don't have I mean, not we like Nas Reed, but he's a good backup center. Um, we just don't have anything to throw at you. So I think that also is why it's just a nerdy, fun basketball game because the chess pieces, I mean, you have two of what we think are the top 10 coaches in the NBA, like the matchups at the tip are going to define <laughs> who wins the game. Because like you said, Vando right. on Jokic um, and Jeff Green on Carl makes sense. And on vice versa, like I don't think we can throw anyone on Jokic other than Carl because I just think Jokic will just destroy him. Yeah, it, it's just the the physical size, right? The, yeah, the actual right. girth and and the strength that you sort of have to deal with when guarding Jokic. Like, do I think that Jeff Green could guard Jokic? Probably not. Probably not. Like, I, I think it's one of those that if you if you send help, then it could get a little bit interesting. But I just think that if the T Wolves experiment with trying to take Jokic off of if with trying to take Towns off of Jokic, that would get a little bit more difficult for the Wolves. Um, but uh, but there would be some there would be some flash plays where Jokic gets blocked at the rim by somebody. There's a lot of hype on the the T Wolves bench and whatnot, and then there's a run out and a dunk that really changes the momentum. I do think that there are times where that could actually be a thing. Um, but overall, 
you'll probably start to see those guys guard each other more down the stretch, especially Cat on Jokic, Jokic on Cat specifically. Aaron Gordon is probably going to guard Anthony Edwards. That is the most important matchup for Denver. And Aaron Gordon has to take that more seriously than he did the last time the T-Wolves came to Denver. Yeah, because I remember that. And I I mean, I don't want to like throw your own player under the bus, but I don't think he, he was sagging off. Of him. Let's be yeah. let's be clear. He was not taking the jump shot seriously. And I remember Ant and Pat Bev let Aaron Gordon know that you should be yeah. closer. Yes, they did. And, and Aaron Gordon was not too happy about it either. Um, but no, that, that, that that's probably the most crucial matchup um, is just trying to slow down Ant, especially as the Wolves try to kind of get Ant going a little more. Um, but no, I just, I, I think, and I don't think Carl Anthony Towns, again, going back to his maturity and how much fun he's having, I just, he loves going at Jokic and, and vice versa. And that's what makes this cool, right? Like, I, don't, I think they both have a high respect for each other, but I also right. think too that like if you're banging for 42 minutes a game and as physical as those guys can play, um, you're also going to be like pissed off and maybe hate them a little bit on the court. Uh, so I just think that's going to be an awesome, like, as you said, as the game starts to shift and we get, we progress through the quarters, like those guys will probably start guarding each other a little more. Um, and it's just two completely different. I know there's similarities, but there's just so many different aspects of each player that make them unique. And that's what kind of makes for a phenomenal matchup, right? Like it's more fun to watch a guy who is, does all this versus a guy who does all that. Versus two guys who do the same stuff. Um, and that's right. why I think it should be a really, really good game. And yeah, like who you throw on Ant. Um, we don't have Jaden. We, we're missing a lot of shooting right now with, without Malik. But, um, you know, whoever Pat Bev is on, he's going to get a technical. Um, and then whoever you throw at D'Lo. I mean, D'Lo hasn't scored 20 points, I don't think, since March 1st. So we're going to go a full month without him scoring wow. 20 points. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, like I said, too, those that's another reason why this game is important to us is because some of these guys got to get their swagger back and their confidence back because you can't have D'Lo still not scoring 20 points come April 12th when the Clippers come to town. So we just get, some of these guys have got to get right. And the hope is selfishly close your eyes is that we can get right on Friday in Denver. Hey, hey, more, more power to you for trying to use that as an opportunity to, to kind of right the ship because you guys have had such a tough schedule over the course of these past five games that it's no wonder that that you you went one and four during that stretch against a whole bunch of teams that the Nuggets also lost to. Like there's <laughs> right, right. no shame in that, and, and especially like given where these where these two teams are. Uh, I I do want to bring you back to. Do you remember not just the first game of this matchup this year, but the preseason game that preceded it? Yeah, yeah. How physical were Jokic and Cat at the beginning of that game and kind of throughout that game and all of these matchups where they're just banging back and forth it's the most personal i think Jokic takes a matchup other than rudy gobert where he just tries to decimate rudy gobert every time yeah facts i don't really have a pushback on that i i, I tried to think of carl who he might mean like i think carl does like going against joel and beat as well different body types right if, and, and also different reasons entirely right too. right um but no i think that's right and again this is like one of the cool little privileges i've had and i know you had as well but like when you get to go to a game as a media member and sit as close as you do and see like the last, I don't know, I think it was last season, but when you get to see all the stuff that the camera doesn't pick up after a basket, right. When they're running back down, like Carl loves going at Jokic. I don't know if it's his top guy, but I know the way Carl thinks and the way his brain works. I mean, Carl's going to be thinking and he's not going to say this. He'll actually say the opposite, but he's going to be thinking just all NBA stuff when he's on the court tomorrow night, right? He's going to be thinking like the league thinks this guy's better than me. And again, 
I think Jokic, I mean, I don't, we're not arguing that we know who the best players, but, but that's how a mentality has got to work in professional sports. You got to think that you're the best player on the court when you take, when you get on there. So I think that is personal. I think there's so much respect because they both respect the game quote unquote, but uh, I do think that those guys love to go at each other. And that preseason game that you mentioned was just two semi trucks, just ramming into each other. Like it was crazy. (laughs) So funny. It's, it's just you you never know when a player is going to get up for a preseason game and when a player is going to get up even for a regular season at various points. Like sometimes uh, that's that's just with as long as the season is, you, you, you sort of forget what it's like when these guys are, are going 100 um, percent. Let me ask you this, though. Who is the player other than Jokic that you guys are most scared of? Oh, man, you put me on the spot there. I mean. I don't, I would imagine not being in that locker room or being on a coaching staff, but like, I don't think it's Aaron Gordon. I don't know why I said, I'm just like, I just, cause I don't know. Maybe it's just because he hasn't had the best couple of games since coming to Denver against Minnesota. Right. Um, but I would imagine that like with the injuries you've sustained, so you're out Jamal, you're out Michael Porter jr. Um, I would imagine they've done some extra coaching on bones just because scoring guards, can give us a problem, right? Like, obviously they'll put Patrick Beverly on him and try to get in Bones' head as a young kid. But like, I think Bones Island could have 29 tomorrow night and the Nuggets win by 15. Um, Just because I I think that can be kind of a problem for us because D'Lo's defense has kind of wavered a little bit too. So I don't mean to take a shot at Aaron Gordon because I like him as a player, but I kind of wanted to answer that in a way. Like, I don't think it's him. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I I fully understand that. It's it's also one of those things where Aaron Gordon at times will go into more passive mode where right, he's right. more perimeter oriented. Yep. He's not necessarily trying to force the issue. And a lot of times opposing fans will look at it like, okay, so that guy is forcing the issue. That is somebody that we have to worry about. That is somebody that we have to really consider. And, and I, I fully get that. That's that's completely understandable. We We love Bones here. We think he should be on the all rookie teams or like it's, Facts, it's going to yeah, be the, yeah. the, like you talk about, okay. So MVP and we talk about, okay. So this is the other award that we could potentially win as a, as a Nuggets organization, Nuggets fan base. So this is what we're going to campaign for. Uh, but he's, he's really shown a lot of growth and yeah. it started when he not, not started, but it really started manifesting when he moved to the backup point guard spot, took right. Faku Campazo out of the lineup, started to provide a little bit more spacing, a little bit more dynamism. Uh, it's been it's been really fun to watch him grow. And, and I do think that you're right, that they are going to put Patrick Beverly on him on Friday night, and they're going to try to get in his head. They're going to try to bother him physically, and it's going to be on bones to kind of rise above that because he is – He's he's rising up the rankings in terms of how important he is to the Nuggets winning a basketball game. It's crazy. And I, I think the Wolves probably, I mean, they probably don't fear DeMarcus Cousins, but DeMarcus Cousins and Carl Anthony Towns have also had a nice little meme <laughs> worthy history. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, you know, as, as Carl has done a much better job, as we refer to as stray voltage of kind of letting himself go mentally on the court, um, he's done a much better job. But, you know, if he's going at Jokic and, and Cousins is there too, and just giving, I mean, again, too, like, what a great backup center to just you sub out your big MVP who is super physical. And you just bring in this other guy who is also just as physical and another just, monster. He's, he's a load, man. He's, he's right. very, so, very physical. So, no, I, I just think, and you know, the way that you guys face the floor and the way that Jokic finds everyone, I mean, these are all basic things people know, but just the wolves, the wolves love 
to give up open threes. Um, if you watch the Raptors game, I mean, they gave up 60 of them. It felt like, so just the, uh, the perimeter shooting that you have, um, that'll be probably the biggest thing that they address and shoot around is just like, Hey, listen, the, it's Jokic and a bunch of dudes who can shoot. Um, and we have to do a better job of not just giving up all these corner threes and stuff. So, and you know, obviously bones factors into that with his ability to shoot, but yeah, I just, I think it's going to be all centered around Jokic. That's what I'm guessing you've seen in the first 75, 76 games. And Jokic has just surpassed any scouting report that gets thrown at him. But that's probably what Chris Finch is going to focus on is how do we not slow not do we stop Jokic? You don't stop Jokic, right? You just slow him down. How do we slow him down? Um, and that'll be kind of the probably key to the game. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that I could go into. I think we're probably reaching that threshold where we should just call it. But I do think that Monte Morris, Will Barton have to have big games. They've, yeah. they've had yeah, yeah, some yeah. big games. Uh, you need, you need some sort of bench or not bench, but like other production in the starting lineup outside of yoke. Uh, you're going to need Jeff green to hit a couple of open corner threes as Jared Vanderbilt rotates over from the weak side. You're going right. to need a lot of other contributions in order to beat a very good wolves team. Uh, but I will say it. I do think the Denver, I think the Phoenix game proved to me that despite the fact that they can really falter against some of these other bad teams and, and can really look not so good. One game look really good. in Another, I think that when they need to, they will rise to the moment. They didn't have that level to get to where the Suns were because the Suns played like a 95th percentile game for them and they put up 140 points. It was very stressful. Um, but Denver played really well. And, and I'm going to hold on to that and think, okay, this is a game that they have to win. This is a game that they feel like they have to win. And I think Denver wins it. You say you think the T-Wolves win it. Should be a lot of fun. Should be like this. This should be a very competitive basketball game. And that's all I think we want, right? I think Friday night, Denver, Minnesota, like regardless of who wins, because we've gone ad nauseum now that the result's probably not going to affect much in terms of this chase down. Um, sure. It just, you, you would like it to both teams to play hard and look good. Cause that's kind of what matters right now. We're both going to be locked into the playoffs. You're going to be probably locked into avoiding the playing tournament. Um, and just, we want to see these two teams that, I mean, I've been watching the nuggets from afar. Like I said, uh, you just want them to play good basketball. You don't, you're going to feel bad as one of the fan bases. If one of those teams spanks the other team tomorrow night, because there's not much time left to write the ship before the playoffs start. I'm fully with you. It's going to be very interesting. I am very curious to see how this goes, but Either way, Kyle, you've been fantastic. Uh, this has been a really, really fun conversation. Uh, where can everybody find your work? Where can everybody find your stuff? I am at Kyle Tyge on Twitter. Uh, as Ryan said, I'm the site manager at Canis Hoopus. We're just trying to make people laugh and enjoy this really good season. Um, but yeah, it's just been a really fun year. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Your podcast is one of the best basketball podcasts going around, not just in Denver, but across the country. So uh, this is appreciate a treat it, for me. Um, and yeah, like I said, uh, it should be a really fun April for basketball. I mean, the playoffs are going to be wild, not just for our teams, but in general, if you just like basketball. So, uh, it, I'm excited to start tuning in more and more and just absorb as much basketball as I can for the next two and a half months. I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be great. Uh, hopefully we have success for both of these teams. I would love to see both of these teams play just a really, really competitive and precise game. 
on Friday because it just it would make things feel so much better for everybody involved. Right. So I uh, totally, totally on board with you. Well, thank you so much, uh, man, for coming on and everybody else that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back on Friday night post game to really discuss what went down in this matchup. Uh, we'll see you guys then. Thank you so much. <laughs>